Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Collaborative efforts face obstacles. That is a fact of life. It's an organizational reality, okay? Now, some of the obstacles are related to individual behavior, others to organizational structures, and others to organizational practices. We can strengthen collaborative efforts by identifying the obstacles and being clear about their impact. Once obstacles are identified, that's when we can start the work to remove them. Leaders and organizations that are unwilling to address their unique obstacles, they just can't move forward. So what I want you to do is this. I'm going to read an obstacle or speak an obstacle. I guess you know I'm reading from my own little kind of script here. So when I say the obstacle, what you're going to do are three things. Number one, ask yourself, well, how would I recognize it? Number two, do I have the courage to address it? And number three, am I willing to address it? And when you think about that, Am I willing to address it? Ask yourself this question. Is the view worth the climb? Is this going to be a battle? And is it a battle worth engaging in? So that's just something to think about with that number three. First potential obstacle that can get in the way and derail collaboration is a mutual misunderstanding of roles, responsibilities, and activities. I want to give you an example of this. I was, I am uh, facilitating a DEI task force of a, a large organization. And for some reason, even though the executive team and the board okayed this task force, somehow there's been all this suspicion about what the task force is doing. And then there's somebody on the task force who's been whispering in the ear of somebody on the executive team and on the board. And then somebody else is whispering back and forth. And, and what we just had to stop and do was to call everybody back together and review what are the roles, what are the responsibilities, and, and what's going on in terms of activities. We had to review the whole action plan that everybody had agreed to and nip that, that suspicion in the bud. And that leads me to the next one, which is mutual suspicion and mistrust. I'll, I want to stick with this example for a minute. Um, one of the suspicions that came up was that, oh my God, this task force is going to be coming up with things that are going to make us change everything we do the way we've done it for years. And if we don't do everything that the task force says we should do, we're going to be labeled as racist, biggest, misogynists, and all this crazy stuff. And then the task force members were just as suspicious, thinking, oh, they're not going to give us the resources that we need. This is just a rubber stamp. They don't really care about these DEI initiatives. And again, we had to just pull everybody back together yet again and have conversation about what is this nonsense? What's coming up? And I'm going to tell you what came up because it relates to the next two obstacles. The next obstacle is what I call the meeting after the meeting. And this is where we've had the meeting. 
we've had the conversation. We've come to an agreement. And somebody, or somebody's plural, have the meeting after the meeting and say all the things that they should have said in in the meeting and kind of stir up, well, not kind of, they do. They stir up trouble after the meeting. And this can derail the consensus that was reached in the meeting. So the meeting after the meeting can be a big obstacle. And it leads to triangular communication, which is what this task force uh, was facing. Somebody from the task force was having conversations with somebody from the board who was having conversations with somebody from the executive team. None of that is productive. It is important for us to have direct communication with one another. One of my disappointments with this particular group is that, you know, it was some of the most senior people on both the task force and the executive team that were doing this triangular communication. And we had to have some very frank discussions about how unproductive it was, can be, and how it undermines trust. So triangular communication is a big one that gets in the way of effective collaboration. Next one on here is how we label one another. perception-based labeling. Let me give you some examples. Who do we label as aggressive versus assertive? If someone has a point that they're passionate about in a meeting, how do we attach those labels? Do we attach them based on our blind spots and say, oh my God, that woman or that person of color or that whomever is so aggressive. And yet if someone else makes the same point with the same vehement commitment, do we say that they are assertive? So perception-based labeling is important and it can really get in the way of how well we collaborate. You know, sometimes we'll say one person is adversarial and the other person who says the same thing, well, they're just confident or somebody's committed but somebody else who says the same thing is a zealot. So paying attention to our own perception-based labeling is important, but also having an ear for it on our teams and in our work groups and helping people to understand the blind spot that they are reflecting when they use this perception-based labeling. Next one on here is an unrealistic expectation of the change process. One of the things I'm often um, finding myself having to remind clients of is you didn't get here in a year, two years, or three years. So you're not going to change the course. You're not going to change your trajectory that quickly. We need to be real about the fact that change is a process. It's not an event. And that because you pull a task team or a process team or a task force together and you charge them with creating all kinds of innovations and interventions, it doesn't mean that all those things can be accomplished immediately. It doesn't mean that they're not going to hit some pretty sizable roadblocks. So I think we need to be really realistic about what the change process looks like and do some work to develop competencies in understanding change. The next of the obstacles to collaboration is the inability to stay the course. 
lots of organizations start out with really good intentions, but when they realize how hard the work is, they want to stop. Now, they don't say, I want to stop. They do things that make it so you have to stop. They don't allocate enough resources. They don't allocate enough time. Um, they start you know, changing horses midway through the race. If you are going to lead collaboration aimed at change, there has to be a commitment on the front end to staying the course, to staying the course. And I've talked a little bit in this podcast about DEI, so I just want to add this one because it is important when we're doing change related to DEI, and that is a big obstacle is ignoring or denying the power dynamics of DEI. And the power dynamics apply in lots of other change initiatives, and they're they are something that you have to look at, but they make people really uncomfortable. When we start looking at who has power, who wants power, who's willing to give a little, who wants to take a little, that makes people squirm. And that is one of the things that people don't often want to talk about. But we cannot ignore or deny the fact that in almost every change effort, there's a power dynamic, and certainly if we're talking about DEI. So we've got to have reality about power, control, position, and what they mean. We've got to have reality about where the shifts need to happen and whether or not the organization is really willing to make those shifts. So I'm going to wrap this one up. You know, recognizing that the capacity to collaborate requires an awareness of the existence of obstacles is really important. And the obstacles take place on the individual and the organizational level. So as you reflect on the obstacles, which ones would you be most likely to perpetuate? Which are the ones that you know are, you know, things that you have to work on? And then how are you going to challenge yourself to move beyond those obstacles? And how will you challenge others? So I'm going to review them real quickly because I want you to be thinking about them in relation to yourself. First one was mutual misunderstanding of roles, responsibilities, and activities. Second was, was mutual suspicion and mistrust. The third, the meeting after the meeting. The fourth, triangular communication. The fifth, perception-based labeling. The sixth, unrealistic expectations of the change process. The seventh, inability to stay the course. And the eighth is ignoring or denying power dynamics. So think about those. Remember the initial questions that I posed. How are you going to recognize it? Do you have the courage to address, to address it? And how are you going to address it? My hope is that by looking at these obstacles, you'll have the opportunity to do a reality check on yourself, on your team or your work group, and on your organization. None of them are insurmountable. You have the power to create positive, productive change. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. 
there's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.